while your TikTok flag turned out to be completely bogus. Well, not completely bogus. Completely the, the, bogus. The, 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 the jury is still out, and that's a great way to start the 89th episode of the Overclocked Z-Day podcast. I am Lindsay Shooters. I am, I am Gavin Dudley. Sorry, I'm <laughs> I am Gavin Dudley. I really am. <laughs> and Gavin, we need to talk about something. So in my personal private WhatsApp groups, family groups and stuff. There was a worrying statement that came out about Google that sneakily is harvesting data about COVID-19 positivity and all of this stuff. And I was like, guys, there was a big press release sent by Google and Apple to say that they are building in a tool into the core of the thing so that it can access your location data and feed that data to a government release track and trace service. And the default of all of those things, the default setting is off and you can only share that data if you have an app installed that has been sanctioned by your government to be able to track and trace. And it's all voluntary. They're not doing it. Like, come on, Gavin. <laughs> it's typical. It's it's like the anti-maskers, basically. It's only the anti-maskers are getting jumpy about this. And in any event, these people have been giving Google their data for years, and now all of a sardine, they want to get all you know titchy about it. But it, yeah. okay, so okay, so for the layperson to understand, what we're saying is that in the first place, it's precedent setting that Apple and Google got together on an issue like this. That was precedent setting in itself. It means that both iPhones and Android phones can all take advantage of the same system. That was a big move in the first place, just to get those two to play together. And all they're really doing is finding a neat and clean way to access your background data about where you've been, your locations and so on. So that if your government releases an app that helps you alert other people who you've been in contact with if you're positive and that, that sort of thing. It needs to access your movements. It needs to access other people's movements. But you do that voluntarily. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. 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 So it, it fires up your Bluetooth. So I think it pings like every two minutes or something like that. Um, if you are out and about, like if you are in the same place, it, it doesn't ping as frequently. Um, right. And it uses your Bluetooth and your GPS and Wi-Fi, obviously, for indoor um, tracking so that if you were in the same zone as a person who has also signed into the service and volunteered to give that information and has tested positive, then you will should get the notification. Um, I think we are about three weeks away from that um, app. Like Cyril has been promising it from the beginning yeah. of lockdown. <laughs> yeah, we've been, I mean, and I've watched the fiasco around other people's apps. I don't know exactly what's going on in the US, but I've watched Europe quite closely. The UK spent 11 million pounds on this app. Mm. What they were doing for 11 million pounds, I have no idea, especially since at the end of that, the app didn't work, you know? Mm. So, and then in Germany, they spent like a 10th of that money and the app just worked brilliantly the first time. So I know there's a German app a uh, couple of the Benelux countries, a couple of the Scandinavian countries have got their own app and where it's all working out for, well. I think France had a few bugs and so on. But, I mean, Sorrel has been promising this for some time. So, again, just for clarity, this will be an app that simply takes advantage of the data that's in the background of your phone that Google and Apple have now got together to help you use that data inside whatever app gets produced. Okay, yeah. what, what is what is your best guess for when we'll have such an app? Uh, probably in, by the end of this month, 
I believe. I believe. Okay. All right. <laughs> I've, I've, yeah. I have been talking to a couple of guys on the inside, and yeah, it seems like like it's going to be the end of this month. Yeah, uh, which will help you... a lot with the track and trace things. But nice, like strangely enough, um, we mm. might not maybe need it. We've definitely reached our peak. I know our yeah. our mortality rate is going down. Our recovery rate is going up. Um, in, in comparison, it's creeping up. Um, yeah, as we learn more things about this virus, um, the way that we treat patients is getting a lot better, and we are saving a lot more lives. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I've, the numbers have just looked like numbers to me, and I haven't really trusted them from the start, to be honest. Especially mm. since if you look at data produced by the Media Hack company, for example, Media Hack produced the first useful infographics about. Yeah how this was developing. They then started developing these bar charts that show how infections have grown province by province. And if you look at the Western Cape, it was like miles ahead. And then you look at it over yeah. time and you watch it shortening and shortening and you watch Gauteng overtake us, yeah. you watch the Eastern Cape overtake us. And now I believe KwaZulu-Natal basically is in the lead, KZN. So the Western Cape, you know, had early surges of stuff, mm. but now we're kind of doing all right again. Okay, I, I, I you know, in, internally amongst, my family members, we have discussed what we would do if one of us did actually get it. What would we do? How would we isolate? Who would we isolate? And, you know, despite having options to go and live at other people's homes and that kind of thing, we decided we would all just stay together and tough it out and try and isolate that person as far as possible within the home. And we'd prefer to yeah. stay together. It's, it's just as well you have this discussion before it happens, because it seems inevitable that many of us are going to get it. You know, it's just as well to have the discussion. Mm. Okay, we'll see how it goes. Uh, on to technology things, Gavin. Right. Note 20 right. is launching on the 3rd of August. Monday, the 3rd of August? Yes. Okay, I'm starting a yawn. There, <laughs> there, there was a massive <laughs> leak, um, kind of official sort of leaky stuff. These yeah, everything, everything that needs to be known about it is almost already known, so, right? So I'm concerned. So one of in my, in my S20, uh, my S20 Plus review, I did mention there that Samsung never does well when they change the optics like in the first generation. So what we got with the, okay. the bigger sensors, we got the 108 megapixel sensor on the S20 Ultra, and that had all sorts of autofocus problems for like video and stuff. But crucially, it lacked a lot of the features that the previous generations um, had. So like dual pixel autofocus was a thing. And they were using the time of flight sensor to help out with that. And that wasn't working out so nicely. And I see dual pixel autofocus is predicted to come back um, they finally managed to engineer it on that sensor. Now they've, they're dropping, bizarrely, the time of flight sensor from the back, and they're bringing back laser-assisted autofocus as well, Gavin. Taking That's it strange. To like That's kind early... of strange. It feels, yeah, it feels <laughs> like a backward step there. Eh? It feels like uh, a backward step. I mean, we don't want to get into too much weeds about how time of flight works versus laser, but it's pretty much how the sensor on the back of the camera of your of your phone sends out a signal. Ooh, look at mm. look, look at the camera. Whoa! It sends out a signal and measures as many objects as it can near you to determine how long it takes the light to bounce back from those yeah. objects. So it can figure out your depth of field and your most accurate focus and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, it's amazing if you think about technologically what's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, the reason I'm stifling a yawn is not because the tech isn't going to be great. It's just that there's no way that phone's going to come in at under 25K. It's going to be 25K and up, you oh, know, okay. and yeah. And um, 
Well, you know, I think even the basic note is going to be like in the 22 range. I don't think it'll be less, not given the rand dollar exchange. 2021, maybe. No, 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 no. Not for a note. For an S20, maybe. For a note, I think they're going to start at 22, 23 and go up from there. And it's just ludicrous in this climate to spend that kind of money on a phone. Unless, of course, you're a KPMG consultant and you've been completely unaffected by, you know, global (laughs) or you're an investment (laughs) banker or a hedge fund manager and you're completely, you know, unaffected by what's going on all the rest of us have been affected inflation all sorts of other if you've got that kind of money to spend on a phone you should be giving more to the poor in my opinion Mm. okay you can't be spending that kind of money on a phone in this kind of climate i know that's not really what you want to hear and i'm sure we've chased away all our sponsors but you know i just can't i just can't in good conscience spend that kind of money on a phone at this time you know just it's i feel you well that's why it was quite refreshing i i forget who put out their numbers, um, but shipments or at least purchases. Um, obviously, there was a 32% decline in overall mobile handset purchasing in the US, um, okay. but the single best performing product was the iPhone SE 2020. And okay. uh, that makes me so happy because that's like sure. a decent cheap now, phone. Now, the iPhone SE is shipping here. Give us a entry-level price there, Lindsay. It's about 12 uh, no, no, no. 10 grand. 10. 10. 10, 10, grand, 10, 10 is like a 64 gig storage or what is that? Yeah. Yeah. It's 64 okay. gigs. So 64 gigs. doesn't matter anymore, Gavin. Storage doesn't matter. if you Only if you're going to pay data for uploading <laughs> to the cloud and stuff. Okay. I mean, people I know with iPhones are constantly running out of storage. Okay. Yes, but because they're keeping be that as it may. for like three years and keeping every single picture. No, but you have to keep the phone for three years because that's how long it takes to pay it off. <laughs> yes. But why are you keeping every picture you've ever taken and every WhatsApp freaking meme? Because you're or... a hoarder. I mean, you, you bought the phone for the damn camera. So, of course, you're going to hoard all the pictures. Okay. Yeah, but, but never mind. But okay. Every, like, point. How long is a piece of string, Gavin? You can have a <laughs> one terabyte phone and over three okay. years, like someone like me will be able to fold that thing up entirely. Uh, you'll fill it up with your 8K video of your kid swinging Ooh. on a swing. I know you. <laughs> no one needs in 8K, Gavin. Which then no, usually right. brings us to the no, camera. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm still warming to my theme. Okay. I'm warming to my theme. A side issue. Um, and this is just a very hyper-local issue. Um, there's one company who has brought iPhones into South Africa since day one, which is like 20-odd years ago. Is it 20 years ago? Yeah, I think it's about 20 years ago. Yeah, about 20 years ago, iPhone's been here. One company has brought it in since then. They've obviously profited massively off it. They are the sole agent. Apple doesn't bring the phone in here themselves. Apple brings the phone here through another company, and that company is called the Core Group. Um, and um, I've been you know, in touch with the Core Group to find out why we're not receiving, not receiving review units of the iPhone SE. And they were like, oh, we won't be sending out review units. We don't have any. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't have any? And then it occurred to me that how they've always operated is that Apple products don't actually need to be marketed, especially through the media. They really don't want to know what the media thinks about them. It can only hurt sales. People who buy iPhones buy them because they want them, not because of any kind of critique or critical analysis of the product. And so the distributor in South Africa just no longer feels the need to work with the media. They don't need media coverage. The product sells itself, which I think is very interesting. I don't hold that against them as just smart business. But you have to understand, guys, the product you're buying, you're buying because you want it because you want it, not because it's been recognized by the media as being better than any other product. Okay, Mm -hmm. in South Africa, anyway. 
Okay, Although that's it my does point. help if, if you if you rely on or, or at least take take the good word of, of independent content creators like that opinion guy. Um, that opinion, <laughs> that opinion on, guy who can't YouTube. get a review song. No, I can't. I saw you note it and then I contacted the PR just to verify whether they changed <laughs> the review um, policy. She's still getting back to me. Um, it normally, yeah, yeah. She normally has like a 24-hour drag on responding to my messages. Yeah, I'm yeah, very, yeah. very low on the priority list. I understand this. But, but that moves us neatly, Gavin, it's, it's, to a company. They don't care about the media, you or me, independent <laughs> or not independent. They don't care because they don't need us for anything. We're just a kind of a, a hindrance, actually. Oh, and they're shipping out product. Yeah. Android okay. Authority pulled together a nice little video on Twitter. Um, that I saw that SE has also been claiming a lot of um, new Apple users. Um, so yeah, it's that. being assumed that, that it's, it's people are jumping over from the Android world um, in, into the Apple. So like new iCloud um, signups have gone like through the roof, okay. which is great. It's seen an 18% growth. Okay. Well, um, I mean, uh, two things. I've been interested in how Apple is thinking about moving manufacturing out of China, um, just because I don't know, I mean, the only reason Apple goes on having a tight relationship with China is because Apple kind of registers half its company in Ireland. So the yeah. part of Apple that deals with China is not the American part of the company, or else they would be running foul of Trump and things like that. Okay. Um, so they've just got a workaround. It's a clumsy workaround. But We'll see iPhone factories now moving to other parts of the world, Indonesia and most particularly India. Because India has like a huge tax on, you know, bringing phones into the country. But if you make them in the country. So Apple's looking at India as its next big factory, which would be interesting. Um, talking about Apple manufacturing. So I did, we did mention it when we spoke about the Apple announcement of, of the move to Apple Silicon from Intel. Yeah. Uh, I'm all did a very, very good story. I forget who the journalist was who wrote it, um, where he was saying that Apple Silicon does not equal ARM because... Yes, yes, yes. The, the, way, uh -huh. the way Apple licenses ARM designs is they only license the compiling bit of it. So the instruction set, they don't license the design. So they take the instruction set and then they completely fabricate the, or design their own chip and okay. yeah, so it's not necessarily right. a, a processor. That's, That's very just, interesting. Okay, when, when Lindsay says like, Apple Silicon, he means the, the microchips that you know, work yeah. inside the devices because they're made of silicon. So that's just industry vernacular for that. Um, yeah. can, I, can, I, can I bang on my favorite drum for what I promise you will be less than one minute? My favorite yes. drum is watch out for the emerging power of Huawei. Okay, <laughs> the drum we have banged every single episode for over a year. Okay, and here's my latest massive insight. Okay, um, by forcing Huawei not only to not use uh, Google software, but by forcing Huawei to produce its own microchips, not giving them access to American-made uh, chips, forcing it to make its own chips, Huawei ends up in the same position as Apple, which is, um, okay, now follow me, follow me as I explain this. It's, it, uh, to me, this is really important for how the world is changing. Okay, so it sounds like a story about tech, but actually this is a story about how the world is changing. Um, if you look at the specifications on Apple phones, they look very average or probably below average. The amount of RAM, all those kind of things are below average to other phones in the market. But 
because Apple contains, uh, controls both the hardware and the software on an iPhone, they get it to work super efficiently. So they actually get better performance out of the package of hardware and software than Samsung would if it bought a chip from America and software from someone else and, you know, camera from another company, put it all together. It doesn't work nearly as efficiently as a typical iPhone. Now, if a Huawei is forced to put software and hardware together, it can achieve the same kind of efficiencies that Apple achieves through its products. And that really intrigues me. Okay, let me give you an example of what I'm trying to explain here. If you take an app like Instagram, if you try and take a picture through Instagram, in a sense, Instagram doesn't really know much about your phone's camera. If you've got an ultra wide lens and a zoom lens, it can't use any of those features properly because Instagram is designed for a generic, simple camera shot. That's the only way Instagram can work on all these phones is if it dumbs itself down to take incredibly basic photographs. It can't use any of the fancy features on your phone. Um, and uh, so in that way, Instagram has dumbed itself down and you are losing the benefit of the technology on your phone when you're using Instagram to take a picture. Now, if Instagram was developed specifically for the Huawei phone, which is what will now have to happen in the future because it's not allowed to use the Android version, the generic Android version, that version of the software will be optimized for what's on those phones optimized for those processes, optimized for the artificial intelligence chips and so on. Those apps will work far better when Huawei controls both the hardware and the software and the app gets developed specifically for their platform, which is what happens with Apple phones. So, yeah. um, I don't know if you followed all that, but basically Trump's legacy will be that in trying to sabotage American competitors, it has inadvertently made them stronger. That will be Trump's legacy, which I find so amusing. Okay. So, okay, that's so I, I love your hypothesis. It's, it's great. It's perfect. <laughs> it's what I kind of said last week when I said I'm quietly optimistic about the Huawei experiment. Um, no, 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 no. You're backtracking. You are now claiming. No, 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 no. Last week, you pooed them if from you, the start. Yes, you laughed at them. <laughs> on them. Um, but I did call out last week that I'm quietly optimistic through playing with iOS 14. I'm quietly optimistic that the Huawei experiment might actually pay off and be fruitful, maybe. But this is considering a world where they are at a disadvantage. Like Apple has, sure. what now, 10, sure. 12 years of, sure. of that yeah. sort of development yeah. behind it. Um, they, Huawei now also can't work with, with um, some of the foundries. So TSMC, who makes their chips, who actually manufacturers like the seven nanometer and five nanometer now process um mm -hmm. they can't work with tsmc so like they whatever designs development that they did have on the high silicon side that is out the window or they okay. need to find a different foundry and no one is making it like tsmc does and yeah. huawei are also a serial copycat so without <laughs> But There's I, nothing I feel original like, left in the world. Not since 1969 I, I, has anything original been done. <laughs> that was the year I was born, by the way. <laughs> I feel you. I feel. I feel you on a lot of things you are saying. Like just look at the P40 um, in the camera app. There is baked in support for the DJI Osmo Mobile 3 gimbal, um, which is just because of their friendly relations with their country countrymen. Uh, but moving on, Gavin. Mm. So. Talking about Google and finally releasing things, nearby sharing is finally in the world. We've been calling for the Android AirDrop functionality, moving files easily okay. between our different devices, Android devices. And now nearby sharing was pushed out with a new Play Store update. 
Um, so if you have a, I think it's most Android 9 phones, if you pull down the notification shade, you might have gotten a, a notification there to say there's something new and there's like a little, it's like, it looks like two wires that they've been crossed across each okay. other. And this that's is nearby the, shortcut, the shortcut icon in the drop down shade. Yeah is two yeah. wires crossing. Okay, just talk us through what this is. I know, I obviously know what this is. I just have never used it, maybe because it's never been widely enough rolled out so that I could reliably find other users to share with. Okay, but explain to us how a typical user is going to use this. So say you want to share a picture with one of your friends or like So this family. is someone who's in the room with you, not someone yes. on the internet also somewhere Also has else. an Android okay. phone. Right. Um, so you go into your gallery and you click on the picture and you click share and then it will in the share dialog box it will have an option called nearby sharing you hit that then it will seek out another person so that person has to have the phone on and the screen unlocked um, they will be prompted um, to that someone's trying to share things something right. and then you access it and it creates a peer-to-peer -peer wi-fi connection between the two devices and then transmits the data in a flash like I, I right. moved a 14 megapixel or at least a 14 megabyte image like in a blink of an eye. Okay, uh, between now, yeah. if you and I are in a room together, you want to send me a picture on nearby video. file sharing, yeah. okay, or video or whatever. Um, do I have to have mine already turned on to get the notification? Otherwise, how does it send me the notification? I think you would have had to or at least opt in to nearby sharing. Right, so it must, be, it must be running in the background constantly in order for us to suddenly randomly share a picture. Either we must both already have it turned on. It sends out the Wi-Fi ping um, right. from the device it's trying to share. And anyone who has opted into the ability to like recognize that ping will get right. pinged. And then, yeah, you just look for the person. Yeah, you turn it on and okay. then you just look for the person that you're wanting to share it with. All right, now now tell me if this works, okay? Tell me if this works. I am organizing a protest in Hong Kong, okay? Yes. I'm organizing a protest in Hong Kong, and if the police tear gas us in this location, I want us to reassemble in another location, in another part of the city. Um, is it possible for me to take a map of where to go to share that on file sharing and let everybody turn on their file sharing and all receive my map no i think it's it's peer to one to one yeah one to one okay so it's not one to many all right yes i will try it though i will try it later and i will report back next week and i will yeah this will be now, an i'm pretty sure thing. i'm pretty sure it's one to one but wouldn't it be interesting if you had multiple people in a room and you just share the song with everybody you know yeah mm. that would be pretty cool okay. um but yeah in 2020 not not, not <laughs> Okay, now Apple, Apple's version of this is called AirDrop, and we've had it yeah. forever, right? And you could drop yeah. between phones and PCs, for example. Yeah, um, and now with the, the, what's it, the W1 chip? Not the W1, I yeah. forget which one. That's, that's, yeah. that's the wideband, the ultra-wideband um, thingy. We should get directional sharing as well. Right, which speeds so it up. If you point right. your yeah. phone in a certain direction, like it will identify that person which is, right. it's just incredible. We're moving on, Gavin, rugged phones. There was a cross-call launch. I wasn't invited. I didn't get a uh, phone or a tablet, anything. <laughs> Talk us through this low-end device um, that's costing a lot of money because hey, they put some rubber rude. padding on it. How rude. <laughs> okay. How rude. What is DECT? What is DECT, Gavin? 
oh gosh, I can't remember what it stands for. It's it's a wireless phone that you would have in your house with your telecom line. You know, everybody okay. remember there was a craze. It was I think it started in the 80s and then it got big in the 90s. You'd have a cordless handset on your telecom, you know, receiver that you could yeah. walk around the house with your. That's DECT, but that's now rolled out to offices a lot of the time, so they don't have to wire up phones in the offices. And if you move your office you know, move your desk from one place to another. You just take your cordless office phone with you. Also, it means yeah. you can pace around the office with your cordless phone while you're closing deals. So DECT is something that's included in these products. But digital enhanced, digital enhanced cordless tele telecommunications. Right, Go. right. Well done, <laughs> sir. Okay, well done. So CrossCall is a French company. And really, they feel very French, which is really interesting. The product's really have a sense of style and a sense of underlying quality that really impressed the hell out of me. I know this is not PR for CrossCall, but it really did have that effect on me. Now, let's understand that ruggedized products are a thing in South Africa, mainly because we've got a lot of people here with outdoor lifestyle on the one hand, and we've got a lot of rugged professions like mining and getting dirty and industry and you know forestry and that kind of thing. So there are a whole lot of industries where, where rugged phones are a thing. On the one hand, on the other hand, we've got a lot of people who are mountain biking and hiking and outdoor lifestyle. So rugged phones have always been a thing in South Africa. Um, it's a lot smaller part of the market than you think. It's 1% of the market, if that. That means it's only 150,000 rugged phones they sell every year. And to my mind, there are about four or five competitors already in the market. Everyone knows cat phones. Cat have been quite big and they've been big at marketing to the mines and that sort of thing. Um, and um, CAT, for example, builds a lot of interesting utilities into their phone for artisans, people who crawl around in your roof, plumbers who need to take pictures in difficult places, this kind of thing, dirty work. Um, so CAT phones have been big on that. But CrossCall is now moving into that market. It wants a piece of the 150,000 Rand rugged phones that are sold, 150,000 phones that are sold every year, 150,000 rugged phones that are sold every year in South Africa. Um, it's aiming for 10% of that market. We'll see. It launched with four models. And you have to understand that these, these products do cost over the odds. Um, these ones, I thought, were actually quite well priced. But you do understand you're going to get a slightly smaller screen. As you make your phone bigger, it becomes more and more fragile, frankly. So, you know, smaller and more compact makes for a better design. So the four products, I'll just rip through them quickly, that they launched with are the M4, uh, which is a five-inch screen. The M4 Go is a much lower spec product. It's 5,400 Rand. Oh, what did I say? The M4 is 6,700 Rand. The down spec um, M4 Go is 5,400 Rand. The X4 is a sort of a more sexy business oriented model. That's 9,500 Rand. And the T4 is a ruggedized tablet that I'm busy reviewing at the moment. It has an eight inch screen and that's 11,000 Rand. So, it's not cheap. The specs are very average. Give us the specs. Give, give us, us the specs. specs. Yeah, uh, okay. Well, uh, five-inch phones, they're all around five inches. Five inches and thereabouts. Nothing smaller than five inches. Um, but none of them are approaching six inches, which is where your typical smartphone is today. Um, the the tablet's eight inches, which, you know, feels like a nice size. Um, it's like the size of an iPad mini. And it yeah, costs yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it. you know, uh, let's not get into that. People are so bored of us sparring, I'm sure, on this issue. All what? the phones... No, 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 no. Okay, like, all, so... All the phones have three-year warranties, 
they use Qualcomm chips, which are an interesting version of the Qualcomm chips. I don't have the exact reference, but they're the Qualcomm chips that Qualcomm releases as having a long lifespan. In other words, it supports them for much longer with updates and upgrades and that kind of thing. So they long lifespan Qualcomm chips, which is interesting. And then they have DECT decked, which is cordless telephony in the office, if you use your phone in the office. And I mean, one of the things that interested me about the cross-call products is they've put a lot of effort into making the products look sexy. It's very French, of course, to make the product look sexy, they want people to not be ashamed of having a substandard product on the table pulled out to make phone calls and so on. They've got like a lot of interesting other features I'm not going to dwell delve into now. But um, there we have it. The uh, they have, they have pushed the talk. They have pushed the talk. Yes, they have pushed the talk. Make, but do the wireless carriers support it though? Because I remember that was the death of push to talk the last time. Yes, that's right. Push to talk has been with us a long time. Push to talk is when you use the phone like a walkie-talkie to speak to someone else. Um, I don't know what the status of that is on the network right now. You can tell that the networks don't want to support that because that's like free phone calls, you know. <laughs> so mm. I don't know where we are on that. Mm. Okay, so here's my here's here's my gripes with rugged phones, and I've right. gone through a lot of them. Uh, why do they expect? that people who use rugged phones don't like fast phones. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's to, to keep it at a price point, they have to kind of, and because they're manufacturing in such a small volume, they can't use high-spec components. Also, it would make the phone far too expensive. I mean, they're only going to sell 15,000 of these at maximum. They're going to sell yeah. 15,000. That's what Samsung sells in a few hours. <laughs> they're yeah. going to sell 15,000 altogether for the year. So you can see they're manufacturing in very small quantities in the first place. So they have to downspec the phone. I mean, if you want a high-performance phone, I guess, you know, you're stuck with the rugged thing. Just get a radical cover. I think that's how yeah. you're covered with yeah. a, a rugged phone. If you want a high-performance, ruggedized phone, get a radical cover. Yeah. And then, and then save, save your money, you know, <laughs> because these well, things are quite expensive. So what, what's interesting here is that the Go edition, the M4 Go, is an Android Go phone. It only has one gig of RAM. With Android 11, Google are actually limiting all phones with two gigs, Android phones with two gigs of RAM to Android Go. Like you won't be able really? to upgrade to like that. full on Android 11 that they announced mm -hmm. it like this week, I think. Um, so that's quite interesting. And then- uh, Why don't you quickly <laughs> tell, us, tell us what Android Go is? Just so it's just like a pared down version of Android. Um, it tries to limit the app sizes as well, um, the, yeah. the storage sizes. Um, so and it gives bigger, you like, it yeah, gives you sorry. very, very, very kind of distilled to the core functions of the apps. So yeah. like YouTube, you can't, you can sign into your profile, but you can't access like your subscriptions and that sort of thing. It just, it just has that YouTube feed, that trending yeah. feed, and that's pretty much it. So you can search for things, but yeah, it's just a very pared down to work on these down. low end devices. Yeah. 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 So all 512 um, meg and lower we're talking about RAM now, phones will not receive Google mobile services Ooh. With, after Android 11, which is no, quite sure. interesting. So I could see they're going to struggle to run that on anything below a gig of RAM, really. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's okay. quite interesting that, that cross-school. Like, I, 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 I can't see the use case here. Like, the, the tablet, for instance, you can get an iPad mini and get, like, a waterproof case for it. And probably still save a thousand rand. 
Okay. Well, okay. I mean, we could we could argue about whether you can drop that onto concrete from two meters or not. I don't really know. I agree with you. I, I hear your point. The cases cases of phones have gotten so good, but the problem is that with, once you put a rugged case on a phone, um, a it doesn't look very pretty, and um, and invariably a certain amount of your performance is gone. Either you lose access to your ports or the screen is covered up with three layers of something so it's unresponsive mm. and you know. So they they're obviously trying to make a case for rugged phones. But to be um, honest, you know, my father in law is in the construction game. He has a yeah. now outdated he, he's a perfect cat, example of cat phone and that thing's still going strong for him. It's like one of the phones that yeah. like he it's like phones just kind of disintegrate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, so so that's 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 just one of the things. Like that's a perfect example of someone who might use it. And yeah, I wish I they mean, would bring the prices a little bit lower. But this is where we are now. Okay, this is um, this is the. Yeah, I see uh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can see it's not the most svelte, most sexy thing ever. But yeah. actually, as as eight-inch tablet goes. You could probably hammer in a nail with this thing, which is impressive. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's okay. cool. Then moving on, Gavin, there's very important news. 1st of September, there is an ADSL shutdown by OpenServe for several hundred suburbs in South Africa. Everywhere where a OpenServe has put in fiber, they're going to be switching off those ADSL connections. Um, and what's the, the quote that I see you put the quote in here? OpenServe yep. assures you of our intention to carry out our broadband network infrastructure upgrade with the least amount of disruption to your customers. We remain confident that the OpenServe modernization program will benefit your business and your customers in the long run. And that is okay. what they sent to the ISPs. Yeah, the key there is disruption to your customers, which means yeah. that this this entire story, which has now got a lot of airplay, has been played on the radio, has been much discussed has never actually been released. This information has never been officially released. This was a notice that OpenServe sent to service providers like, you know, MWeb and Afrihost and Web Africa, you know, the, the service providers to tell them what was going on. This has not been announced to consumers yet. So I, I'm a little nervous about how much has been made out of something that has not been officially verified at the source. For those who don't know what OpenServe is, OpenServe is Telcom's network division. So it's the yeah. division that lays the pipes or lays the cables in the ground, terminates, you know, all the little cables at the little boxes all over the One street. One of Ford's biggest fleet customers. Oh, I see. <laughs> oh, interesting. So that's OpenServe. Their logo is green. It's a circle. If you see OpenServe in your neighborhood, you know they're busy fixing up some telephone cable somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, the, the underlying issue here is that copper theft is just rampant in South Africa. And it, it's not just the price of replacing the copper. It's the price of businesses going down and consumers yeah. getting their knickers in a knot when their service goes down. And they've just been completely unable to control cable theft. Now, you've got to understand when people steal a piece of copper cable, they're not stealing like 100 meters. They will steal four or five kilometers at a time. OK, they they find a remote location. They usually this is how it works. You have a bucky with a, a reeler on the back, yeah. and they just reel in four or five kilometers of cable and drive away before the authorities can arrive. It's billions and billions of rands that have been lost this way, and so um, telecom slash open server have been trying to move people into wireless infrastructure, and Lindsay has been one of the recipients of that. 
Yes, kind and of then drive. I switched. I swiftly switched to right. to Rain now as my service provider, and Rain has now rolled out five G in yeah. Cape Town, which is amazing. Right. Not in my area, although oh. there is a Rain Tower two hundred and fifty meters from where I am sitting right now. Any um, minute now, I I can feel it. I can feel it. So <laughs> the the five G packages are starting at seven hundred bucks um, for up to thirty megabits per second line speed. Sorry, up sorry. And down. Say that. Say that slowly. Seven hundred. Seven hundred bucks. Ninety nine. Yeah month-to-month sort of payment for unlimited up to oh. 30 megabits per second up and down. Okay. That's completely yeah. on par with a typical broad, uh, typical um, uh, fiber. A typical yeah. fiber would be 800 to 900 rand for unlimited 50 meg up and down. So it's comparable, and that's great. Yeah. Hmm. Currently, okay. I'm paying for, for the LTE offering, which gets me up to even sometimes above um, 10 megabits per second. I'm measuring like a regularly 12 megabits per second on my wi-fi well done um, well done and mm. that is costing me 480 rand a month wow month that's great i mean that's that's really not bad if we consider what mobile data used to cost which is what this effectively is yeah you know they're using the cellular network so technically it's mobile data but you're playing regular broad broadband prices for it so that's fantastic yeah. okay and there's no fair usage policy yes obviously um videos do load at 360p um, does cause some weird stutters with Netflix sometimes. Um, Mm. But yeah, we've been going now this month. We busted through, I think we're on about 300 300 gigs that we've used up already and no degradation in service. Um, I would have been suffering a long time. I would have been suffering like 100 megs, 100 gigs ago um, if I was still on Telecom. Um, Yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm very happy with Rain. If you followed Lindsay's saga when he signed up for Telcom, the fine print that eluded him at the time was that the first week or two of service is going to be fabulously fast. And then once you've used up your quota of fast data, it just gets slower and slower as it it downgrades your service over the month, which is just infuriating. So, okay, he's escaped that, dodged that bullet. Well done. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm just waiting for them to fire up the 5G in this tower year by me and then i'll be getting one of those lovely huawei modems that they're chucking in for free in that in that monthly cost or at least all right so you sign up 700 bucks um that's how much you pay for a month and they just chuck in a huawei router and sim card 5g sim card for free i'm actually i'm actually very happy for you man that, yeah, that, that'll be great because I, I hate seeing you suffer like this okay (laughs) well we've gone long we've gone long i just want to call out um the incredible deal of the week, which is our, it's replacing our Take A Lot Tech Treasure. Um, the incredible deal of the week that I have found for this week is, and you mentioned it earlier, I wanted to mention it earlier, the Samsung Galaxy Note 10 Lite. Yes. It's a phone that I have not actually had across my review desk because Samsung mm. refused to send one. Um, yeah. But pretty much the internals of a Note 9 with the camera from the Note 10 and no wireless charging, and a beefy 4,500 milliamp hour battery, and it's selling for 10,000 Rand right now at Incredible Connection, down from the 14,000 Rand that it launched at, and you can catch that deal until the 31st of July. Okay, 10,000 Rand for, uh, so that's last year's, uh, S10, a light version, process. two years yeah. ago, right? Okay, yeah, but still, I mean, if you if, last year's cameras and yeah, brand but, new software, yeah, yeah, but those things were like epic at the time, so that is a good deal, I reckon. Uh, sorry, that price again? 
Uh, that's 10,000 Rand, down Ooh, from 15,000. Then right, there's also um, hmm. the, the Asus gaming laptop, the FX505. It's an AMD Ryzen 5 notebook with yeah. a NVIDIA GTX 1650 4-gig graphics card. Yes. That's 8 gigs of RAM, a terabyte HDD, 256 gigabytes of NVMe SSD, um, and that is selling for 14,000 Rand. And yeah, that's a great deal. That's a great deal there. I mean, that was our one of our top gaming laptops of the last few months. It's current. It's just been superseded by others, but that is still a great deal. Um, my deal is this. Dell make fantastic monitors. That's the bottom line. People, everyone, th everyone thinks Dell makes PCs. Dell happen to also make fantastic monitors. At the Incredible Connection, there's a 27-inch monitor from Dell called the SE2719H. It's full HD, of course. Uh, good specs, and it looks fantastic on the desk. It's nice and svelte. It looks very stylish. 3,000 Rand for a 27-inch monitor. If you don't know how big 27 inches is, it's basically the size of a medium-sized TV, nearly. Okay, it's a huge monitor, and if you're doing work from home, I strongly recommend you invest in a big monitor. You can sit a little further away. You can see more on the screen. Everything looks beautiful. A dull monitor, the SE2719H for 3,000 Rand from mm. the Incredible Connection. Get it now. Recommend it. I think I am using that monitor right now. Ooh, you <laughs> snob. <laughs> really? 27-inch? No, no, no. Sorry. I have the I have the 19-inch version. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there was 1,000 have... Rand at Incredible Connection as well. Damn. That's also a good deal. All right. So, well done. So Dell's, Dell's replacement, um, or at least their the warranty, their product warranty, um, guarantees you a replacement if two pixels go dead. I have yeah, one right. dead pixel. I'm just really? waiting for the other one to <laughs> It's a three-year warranty as well, which yeah. is hell of a impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you keep your box, your box, <laughs> your, your box is your guarantee, guys. <laughs> Close so a little funny. bit of, of, of Mark Lothering there. Um, Gavin. <laughs> yes. This We're has done. been a fantastic conversation. I am it Lindsay Shooters, Sharpshooters on social media, S-H-A-R-P-S-E-H-U-T-T-E-R-S. ThatOpinionGuy.co.za that is where you find me on the internet. That's the website, That Opinion Guy on YouTube. Um, at the moment, I'm just fighting the good Black Lives Matter fight. I put together quite a nice historical like reference piece Ooh. on that. Um, today, I'm putting up a story about the new... Ford Mustang Mach E 14 oh, right. edition, which is uh, it's, it's a special bolt, like it's a it's a concept bolt um, that's yeah. just like super high performance. But like that's the way you market electric cars, not like Mercedes who say, "Oh, our EQS will probably do <laughs> kilometers on one charge," and it's like, okay. guys, no, you must call it anyway. a muscle car. Yeah, okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah, this, this, that is how I just like the way Ford is marketing their thing. They put out the product first, and now they're doing all the concepty stuff around it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things I have lined up. There's a basketball shoe going up on the on the YouTubes. Um, I got Ooh. a nice drop from Under Armour the other day. Um, that should be quite interesting. And, yeah, that's my story. All right. I'm, I'm looking at tablets, a forgotten product category. Tablets, unfortunately, shot themselves in the foot. They were so good that no one ever upgraded them and got new ones. But I think with um, a lot more teaching and learning going on online, I think a lot more people are looking at tablets for their children, their kids, 
preteens, teens, whatever. I'm, I'm looking at tablets and especially at budget tablets, obviously, where Lindsay and I will argue about iPads again next week. Okay, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm looking at tablets below 8,000 Rand. Okay, but we'll get into that next week. Yeah, All right. Definitely.